really appreciate uh, your presence this morning. Appreciate Dylan reading that passage f- uh, for you. It's uh, this is to me this is a very interesting, fascinating passage, and I hope that we can glean uh, some things from it that will maybe stir us, uh, will will help us to to recognize our duty more completely um, as Christians, and and be motivated. Uh, to live the way we should live. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a series of lessons that takes us from the time that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And when he did that, rather than being convicted by that, how did the Pharisees respond? They responded by deciding, this guy has got to be eliminated because the power that he was taking from them was incredible. Everybody was moving to Jesus, and the, the influence they had, that the Pharisees had with the people was beginning to wane, and they, couldn't, they could not tolerate that, and so they began on this path uh, to try to kill him. And so on that uh, last few months of Jesus ministering his life, uh, we come to this time in Luke chapter uh, uh, 16. But before that, I want to kind of give you a little more context. And that is in Luke chapter 15, in verse number 2, we find that all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So they begin to complain against him. And Jesus then uses the next couple of chapters to admonish uh, the Pharisees about that. Uh, could I get the back screen on? Um, and so that, that gives you a little bit of context of what's going on. And so the, the passages that Jesus teaches, uh, Yancey spoke to us last week about the lost. Uh, there was a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then finally the prodigal son. I believe in that the Pharisees were the one that were lost. They didn't know they were lost. And Jesus, so Jesus taught about that. In Luke 16, he's going to talk about the unjust steward and then he's going to go on to, to, to then uh, provide this, this uh, study of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, we might ask the question, well, is this, story, is this story a parable? And I tell you the truth, I don't really know. You can make an argument for it being a parable because I believe there's a moral at the end, the last line of it. it I believe there is a lesson that he wants us to draw from that. Uh, it's unusual that Jesus would use a proper name, Lazarus, in a parable. But again, I, the, but the point is, it doesn't really matter. Jesus is using, if it is a parable, he's using something that's a story to illustrate, some, illustrate something that's a truth. And so we're, we can believe that whether we believe it's a parable or an actual story that there's truth bound in the lessons behind that. So let's think about change. What does it take for people to change? You know, people don't like to change, especially if they think things are going pretty well. It's kind of hard for us uh, to change. I'll tell you, last weekend, um, I had a horrible toothache. It was killing me. And it, I went through it Friday Saturday, Sunday, Monday, still not any better. Tuesday, you know what I did? I called the doctor and I said, I need an appointment for you to pull a couple of teeth, and specifically one that's really bothering me. 
And as it turned out, the, 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 uh, the periodontist that I used could not get to me for a week. And so he said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you in an antibiotic. And if you'll, you take this and then we'll pull your tooth a week from now. But he said, if you get in trouble and it's just killing you and you just got to get it out, then call our emergency line and we'll work something out. Okay, so um, I took the antibiotic for a couple days. You know what? That tooth's not hurting me anymore. So I called it back and canceled the appointment. <laughs> the point, bad move? <laughs> the point being, the point being is, is that we're reluctant to make a change if we don't have to. Brother Eddie will tell you that uh, we went through about uh, three years here of me saying, uh, I need to go to the doctor. I'm of an age I need to be taking a regular checkup, but I haven't been to a doctor in five years. And every time he would see me, he would say, you called Shane yet? Because Shane's the guy that's his doctor and also was a kid that played basketball for me years ago. And so that was the guy I was going to go to. Well, I, But you know what? I felt pretty good. There wasn't, why would I go? I, there's no pain here. I'm doing okay. So the, the point is, is, is it takes quite a bit uh, for people to change. There's a book called Switch, and this is, uh, I read this book some time ago, and, and there's a couple, couple of takeaways from it, but one of the big ones is this, that for a person to change, they have to be persuaded both mentally or intellectually and emotionally. You know, it, you've got to, there's got to be some, some type of, of pain or perceived pain that you're going to experience if you don't take this course of action or you're probably not going to do it again the relief from the tooth I'm I'm good at least for now we'll see when the antibiotic runs out then uh, we may have a change of plans that pain may return but so you get the idea well I believe that this story in Luke chapter 16 is one that can reveal some pain or potential pain for people and cause us to make the changes that we need to make to avoid that. You see, he's not, Jesus isn't causing our pain, but he's telling us a story that's going to help us to understand the potential pain and make the changes that we need to change before we're, it's too late. So let's look at the contrast. You can see these two people. We have Lazarus, who was as poor as poor can get. He was crippled. He wasn't able to care for himself. And, and apparently he didn't even have family to take care of him. And so what did they do? They laid him at the, at the gate in the hopes that he would be fed just anything. And then we had this rich man. And this rich man was one that he was well clothed. He was, he was doing great in life. And so you see this huge contrast. And I believe Jesus teaches this way not so much to point at era that, that, uh, that the, the rich man was, was guilty of all this sin, but to point to the fact that his focus was upon things of this life and, and living a good, prosperous life here. 
You know, it says, if we seek you first the kingdom of heaven, all else will be added to you. And so this man, apparently his focus was such that he was focused upon the great things of this life and was enjoying those benefits. And Lazarus was not. And it says, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So just get the picture of that, that um, first of all, on earth, what's the difference on earth? So no doubt the rich man's passing would have been met with a burial and some type of service to lament that, and probably he had lots of family that was that was around, and and there were people that were mourning his passing. But Lazarus, he didn't have that blessing. He doesn't really say anything what happens to him on this side of eternity, but rather on the other side, we see that he's carried to Abraham's bosom. He's carried to a place of comfort. But we find out the rich man, he was he lifted up his eyes. And he was in torment. So I want to give you just, then this is just a brief uh, story of this, just to give you some context to, to what I believe that reality looks like for us after the grave. Now, there will be people that disagree with that, and, and I don't, I'm not dogmatic about it, thinking that you absolutely have to think this. But um, I believe that this is, a, this is a depiction of what happens is that, when one dies in this life, you don't go straight to heaven as we think about the eternal reward. But rather we go to this holding place that's called Hades. And in Hades, there's two parts of Hades. There's paradise and then there's Tartarus. And Tartarus is that place of hell that the rich man was in, and when he looked up, he saw Abraham and Lazarus across in paradise. Remember when Jesus was on the cross, and what did he say to the thief? He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. I believe this is where he's referring to. You know, Jesus did not go, and when he passed from this life, when he was crucified on the cross, and the three days that he was dead... He did not go to his father. It said, Jesus said to Mary Madeline when she uh, met him after the resurrection, she said, don't, don't hold on to me for I have, not ascend, I have not yet ascended to my father. Where did he go? Well, I believe he went right there. He went to paradise in uh, in Acts chapter 2, in verses 27 through 31, it talks about that. That it, he says, in hell you did not leave, he's talking about God, that the Father did not leave his soul in hell, that he, he was resurrected from that. So Jesus, when he passed, went to this place, this, this place that's called Hades, and this place of Hades is the place that he was at was paradise the place that we see Abraham being depicted and Lazarus being depicted. And so as this rich man looks at this situation, he's in torment. 
And he's looking across and he's seeing Lazarus being comforted. And he's in Abraham's bosom. So again, I'm not dogmatic about that, but I think that gives you a pretty good illustration of, of, of a soul and what happens to the soul when one dies here on this earth. Um, another passage in John chapter 3, he was talking to Nicodemus here, and he says, uh, at this point, he says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Well, this is in John chapter 3. What about Abraham? What about Moses? What about all of the faithful there in the Old Testament? Where did they go? Well, I believe he went right here. It went there, and I believe to this day they're still there in paradise waiting on the day of judgment. Now, they're comforted. I want you to understand that. And we're not saying they're not going to go to heaven. We're saying that this is a temporal resting place for the soul until the resurrection and at that time, then that final reward, that final destination will be there for all Christians and for all those who believe through Jesus Christ. So now let's, let's go back to our, our, uh, our rich man and, and Lazarus. And so, and he, and this rich man, he cries and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he recognized him. You notice that? He recognized this man. He knew that that was the beggar that used to sit at his gate. And he says to him, he says, Abraham, send him over here and tip and dip the tip of the finger in, in his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. You know, there are a lot of people that have chronic pain. Think about chronic pain. Uh, I know Brother Doyle Chisholm deals with back that constantly hurts him. And I'm not in that situation, but I can somewhat understand what that would be like. Now think about it. It hurts all the time. You hurt until the point that you're completely exhausted, so tired that you can't stay awake and you fall asleep, but you only sleep just long enough to get past that, to get enough rest so that the, the pain kicks in and wakes you back up. So you're never fully rested and you're never fully out of pain. That's chronic pain. Think about this guy. He was in chronic pain. There is no way out. And so his cry was not to get passage back over to the other side, but just... Can you just give me a little relief? Just anything that can, can relieve me from the pain that I'm in. And, and Abraham explains to him, he says, Remember in your lifetime you received all these good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted. And you are tormented. And besides all this, there's this great gulf that's fixed between us so that they that would pass from thence to you cannot and neither can they pass to us who would come from thence. You can't get there from here. We can't come to you. This gulf is fixed. We can't come to you, even if we wanted to. We can't help you out. So I want us this morning to put ourselves 
in, in the shoes of the rich man for just a moment, and what would that be like? And you talk about revealing pain. I believe that this is something that, reve that should reveal some pain in us. That if we don't live a righteous life, if we don't, if we don't make an effort to live as, as Christ would have us to live, that could be us. Chronic pain. No hope. It's over. It's too late to repent. You can't fix it at this point. So imagine how horrible that would be. The second horrible position to be in would to be on the other side with Lazarus and to look across that gulf and see your loved ones, see a great friend that you know you had the chance to impact and you didn't, or a relative that you know you had a chance to share the gospel with and get them right and you didn't. How terrible that, that would be. And so for Christians, we should, we should look at that and examine ourselves and determine, is there secret sin? Is there something that's in our, in our life that might put us in this horrible place? Or are there people that we need to talk to, that we need to go share the gospel with and reveal their potential pain and keep them from coming to this place that will undoubtedly be horrible with no hope of ever getting out. Oh, there is an end. You do get out. Eventually, it gets thrown in the lake of fire. And so all those people that are in this place of torment go to a second place of torment that will be no better. So this rich man was not without virtue. I want you to notice that in this next section. Because he says... Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, if it's too late for me, if I pray therefore that if thou would send, uh, send him, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You know, this guy wasn't totally without virtue. He had five brothers. And he didn't want those people to come there and experience what he was experiencing. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Of course, this was at the time that they were under the Mosaical law. They weren't under the law of Christ yet because Christ hadn't passed. So he says, Let them hear them. And he says, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one will come from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they, hear, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. It's a little bit of a dig at the Pharisees because of their response to what happened to Lazarus, the other Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead. They weren't persuaded by that, were they? There's one that came from the dead, and you weren't persuaded. So in this story, he uses that very scenario as they weren't persuaded. So think about um, the Bible, and especially the New Testament, well, Old Testament too, is full of warnings for Christians. It's full of warnings. And one of the warnings is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
And he talks about the children of Israel that God led them from Egyptian captivity over into uh, the wilderness. And he was directing them the promised land. But this passage goes on to say that nevertheless, even though he chose them as his people and he delivered them from the Egyptians, he said God was not pleased with, with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. We know that all but two of that original generation passed away. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Don't be idolaters as some of them were. And it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and, and, were, and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. The Apostle Paul said that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That fear of the reality that there is a hell. That there is, that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And we do care on which side we go. It is going to matter. It is going to be a big deal. And it's not going to be a big deal for a week or a month or a year but it's going to be a big deal for the rest of eternity. An amount of time that is so far beyond what we can fathom that it, it pales what even a little chronic pain could be, which is, you know, a tough situation. So are we persuaded? Are we like Felix? You know, when Paul went before Felix, what did he tell, you know, Paul taught Felix and Felix heard that, and you know what he said? He was persuaded, but he said, Hey, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I guess that's kind of like my tooth. Is Go thy way. When it hurts again, I'll call you back. We'll try it down the road. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope it forgets. We'll see. King Agrippa. He, he preached to Agrippa, and uh, what did Agrippa say? Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We really need to be like the 3,000 that were at Pentecost. You know, when Peter talked to them, it says they were pricked in their heart. They weren't just moved intellectually. They weren't just persuaded by a good argument. But at the emotional level they recognized that they were they should change and so they cried out and said what shall we do and Peter said to repent be baptized every one of you for remission of sins now I'm talking to a, a, a group of people here that most of you have been baptized but the challenge for us is not just to be baptized but is to continue to live the life that Jesus has called us to live one that is a testimony to him, one that may keep other people from going to that terrible place that, uh, that Jesus describes in, described in this little story. So are we persuaded this morning? Are we, are we motivated to look at our lives honestly and make the changes that we need to make? 
um, this morning, if we can help you, uh, if, if, if you need prayers of the church, or if, if you've been sufficiently taught the gospel and you know that you need to obey it, and it's, the time is right for you, and if we have one or more of either cases, then we would ask you to come forward as we stand together and we sing the song that's been selected.